Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is Irish Illustrated Insider brought to you by Anderson, Augustino & Keller, Attorneys at Law with offices in South Bend, Indiana, serving the local community's legal needs with a diverse and innovative group of lawyers. Let their team be your edge on legal matters. Contact the lawyers at Anderson, Augustino & Keller at 574-288-1510 or visit their webpage at aaklaw.com. Welcome to the latest Irish Illustrated Insider Podcast. Pete Sampson, Tim O'Malley, previewing Navy... Talking a little bit of Senior Day, we've got questions from our readers as well. Um, first, we get into the whole Senior Day stuff because we go through this awkward dance with guys who aren't sure they're going to come back or not. So, but when you look at the list, there are 11 guys that could return. Um, it's not, it, it's inconceivable that they all would or would be asked back. Uh, but... Among this group of Jonathan Bonner, Jay Hayes, Tyler Newsom, Drew Tranquil, Quentin Nelson, Alex Bars, Nick Wisher, Sam Mustafer, Nick Watkins, Jimmy Byrne, Pete Mwakwa, there, there are at least the guts of next year's team in a fifth-year class, which can be fairly significant, especially at defensive and offensive line, because those are sort of old, strong positions, and Notre Dame usually does well when they have some help at those spots. The must-haves are the four linemen, of course. Well, Mustafer said he's coming back. Bars is going to come back. It would just be a weird, you know, go pro to become a seventh round or a sixth round draft. Yeah, I'm not no. disparaging him at all. It's just he's not ready to go pro and take on no, he's men just, in the NFL. He's not good enough right uh, now. So Mustafer and Bars, you would assume, and then Hayes and Bonner also have nowhere to go in terms of unless they're going the free agent route. Yeah. And but they can be really good. Jay Hayes can be a really good fifth year player next year, mm-hmm. and Jonathan Bonner can be very solid. He's Jonathan Bonner's gotten better as the season has progressed, I would say, in kind of an under-the-radar way. He's not yeah. going to be an impact player, but he'd be huge to have return. You'd have Hayes, Bonner, Tillery, and, and Dalen Hayes, and Khalid Kareem. That's, that's the makings of a nice defensive line right there. Those four will be asked back, begged back, um, needed back. I don't know why Tyler Newsom would leave, and there's no one waiting in the wings to all of a sudden take over and punt better. So Newsom will be asked back, and I would assume come back. The interesting ones, and I believe Nick Wisher will be back because you want four tight ends you can rely on at Notre Dame. If Cole Komet gets injured in the spring and LZ Mack gets injured in August, you're not just going to go roll out with Brock Wright. So I know right. people love to bury 22-year-old backup tight ends like Nick Wisher, but coaching staffs don't. I would assume Nick Wisher, you know, with the class gets as big as they want it, as you and Tom and Kevin have pointed out, there are going to be some guys that are, this happened a couple years ago, where they have 90 after signing day and it's got to get whittled down. But it always gets whittled down. That yeah. year it was 90 going into 2015. 90 players. It ended up at 83. Just with summer attrition. Mm-hmm. So that'll happen again. And I think Nick Wisher will be back. That leaves us... Uh, Mockwin Burn, I would assume not. Um, yeah, I, I don't Mockwin know not roles for those guys. No, Mockwin doesn't dress. And Burn, uh, you wouldn't, you, he's really never played. I guess 
if this was one of those teams that had 83 guys on signing day, you'd bring Burn back because you have a, a third-string lineman that's a senior or a fifth-year. They like to have those guys in the locker room. So Tranquil's got the decision, right? Mm-hmm. It leaves Nick Watkins, whose decision could be a little tougher than people think because Sean Crawford, Julian Love, and Troy Pride might enter the spring ahead of him. Dante Vaughn is an up-and-coming guy, but Notre Dame will ask him back. Because oh, yeah. you need five corners, right. uh, and they have nobody, you know, you're not going to go with a freshman. So, he'll be asked back. I just wonder if, I would assume he'll come back, but he has to compete for a job as a fifth-year senior. That's a rarity for a returning starter. Yeah, I I, I definitely am with you. I, I think the, sort of the, the fifth-year class hinges on, probably mostly on Tranquil. I think you could survive Watkins or no Watkins. Yeah. You certainly would would love to have him back. But Tranquil, to me, is one of the most important decisions because what, what happens at the linebacker position next year is going to be a complete rebuild without him, and it's, but it's pretty functional with him. And right. so it, that's a big swing to go from Drew Tranquil to Jeremiah Usu-Kormoa, Shane Simon. I, I don't really know where you would go because I think Asmer Bilal probably will move inside, and that's a guy that has a lot to prove that – he can be a good quality linebacker anyway. It's a huge loss because of the depth, but it's also a pretty big loss because of Drew Tranquil's talent, fit at the position, fit at the team, be a two-time captain, very respected player. I would think Drew Tranquil, at this point, and I know everything he has going for him to leave, I would think Drew Tranquil may want to come back and play one more year of college football. Um, he'll definitely put his name in. I don't think his grade would be that high. I think he would have to become, I'm not saying he couldn't become a good pro because he's so versatile, but I don't know how high his grade would be. And that's what you might want to look at. You would think he would probably get a return to school grade. Right. Because um, they do first round, second round, and return to school, basically, right? right? Sheldon Day got return to school. He's going to get a return to school grade. Yeah. I he's don't... a good player. It doesn't mean, that doesn't mean anything bad about you. It's just, that's not leap early. Yeah. I, I think that would be critical. But that's, I'm just sort of curious to see how he reacts on Saturday because you can tell sometimes the guys who are departing. Like, I don't really need to know to watch Quentin Nelson to know that he's leaving, but that's going to be a he will have a much different experience on Saturday than what Bonner or Hayes or Mustafer or Bars will have. And there's logic for Tranquil too because of the two injuries. Yeah, and it's better to get your. You know, it's it, not to use the running back analogy, but there, there's tread on his tires that's not on everyone. So maybe getting into league and. Mm-hmm. Can always go back into your career, and it's the nest egg of playing in the NFL for three years is great. Yeah, as you're getting married this yeah, offseason. So no faulting him either way. I would assume. I my gut is he might just want to might like it enough to come back. Yeah, that was kind of the way I look at it. He's pretty big backer of the program. There's no he has no reason to want to escape. Not right. Every now, once in a while, sure. there's like Nick Watkins might yeah. not start. He has now he would end up playing. Like if you leave in your Nick Watkins because you think you might not win the job. I mean. I'll, one corner gets hurt immediately, and you would have yeah. won the job. So it's a bad idea. But, you know, you can at least, you can rationalize something out of Nick Watkins. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think you can rationalize the other ones, really. I can't imagine. Yeah, and also with Watkins, I don't think we know, how healthy is he? You know, I think he said, uh, you would describe his play as descending from where it was in September. Um, he also has yeah, tenet- lost his job. He also has tendonitis, <laughs> so I don't really know how... You know how those two things fit it all, together. Oh, it all counts. I mean, yeah. whether you're hurt or not, you, you can't get in there. Then you're yeah. Nope. Place ascending. If the senior, I'm curious your thoughts on the senior class overall. If they win out, they'll finish 33 and 15. Um, wouldn't be the mo- the winningest senior class of the Kelly regime, um, but 
they do win out, it would be Notre Dame's sixth 11-win season in the modern era, which I think if you look at it that way and you're putting this team in a group, it's an arbitrary number, I know, but you're putting this team in a group with 73, 88, 77, 89, 2012. I did a story on it because of uh, they play more games, so sure. if you kind of look at it, uh, you, you would have to totally eliminate error per season's. Other than 1973, you know, it's not even the 66 team is included in this because they just didn't play games in a bowl game. But if you look at it by losses, one or two losses, Mm -hmm. or zero, they are 10th or 12th best by absolutely any margin, anybody's argument, including all of Era's teams and all of Lou's teams for the modern era. We use Era Parsegian 64 as the modern era. They're the 10th best team since Era Parsegian started. Coaching at Notre Dame, that'd be pretty good. That, that's for your senior year. Mm-hmm. That's that's impressive. You couldn't even argue them lower than twelfth. Is kind of I wrote a story on this yesterday. You know, so their seasons would be the eight and five year where they contended until November 9th, basically, out in Arizona. That's they brought a lot of fun to the, to the, not a lot of those guys played. It, they weren't a lot of like Drew Tranquil got in, Andrew Trimbetti got in, um, Morgan unfortunately had to play, and that's when it all went downhill. You wouldn't really put him Martini as well. Martini played a lot. The next year was the 10-win team, and there were a lot of contributors to it. Last year, obviously, was was something that would be held against them, and then this year would be outstanding. It's not the most even 33 wins, but you could argue it's better than... Just remove the... Anybody that played in 2012, remove those classes, because they got to play for a championship. It's, mm-hmm. Their accomplishments over a couple of years is probably as good as most in recent memory. In yeah. The millennium. I, I mean, I, I think you'd have to look at this class and say, they gave you a ride. If you were a fan, three of the four years they were they were on November first. They were ranked in the top ten, three out of four years. Maybe a ride in four years. Just one ride was really hideous, but there was <laughs> yeah no, but it was there. They had three enjoyable years. I mean, as a fan, if you I know, I've always looked at this differently. I like the teams growing up. I like the teams that were in contention. And even though Notre Dame ultimate all time bottom out in two thousand fourteen with injuries and everything, that year is somewhat more fun than a year where you start three and two. And yeah. you're just out of the conversation. Who cares if the 2013 team that went 9-4 and four was better or not than the next year's team? The 2013 team didn't contend after September 10th. Yeah, the season so was over. you like the teams. The I've always, if you're, if you're watching it from that perspective, now if you're a coach, you're like, you're crazy. I don't want to lose my last four games compared to starting 3-2. and two. Yeah. But as a fan, I think the 2014 had its moments. A lot of them. Yeah. That's I their mean, first year. Bowl, bowl game included. Yeah. Um, that know. was a big deal. <laughs> that's the biggest bowl win since 1993. Right. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's another thing with this team, and Drew Tranquil referenced it on Wednesday, that they have a chance to be the first Notre Dame team to win a major bowl game. I think yeah. he said in forever. What he, He's right. I mean, four years is forever. It is in college football. That's, that is forever. So that's, I mean, that would be significant. Um, they do have to win out. They do have to win out. That is very tricky. Yeah. Um, but I think it... There's quality this, year this year if they don't win out. I'm just saying for yeah. a legacy of a class. Despite last despite last weekend, I still feel kind of good about it. Just not I would, nearly as right, <laughs> a week exactly. ago when you're on this podcast. They're going to beat Miami 34 yeah, 17. Yeah, I was. Yeah, what I, yeah, it was right around there. Yeah. It was 38 yeah. <laughs> 24. Uh, yeah. Though they had eight, but yeah, I I mean I'm. I, I need to see who the bowl team is now. Of course, the opponent. I would sure. be. Whereas last week, I wouldn't be too worried about the bowl team. Yeah, there's Versus Alabama, which was more fun to think about than what the bowl team is going to be. How about the drop to eight? What did you? 
I thought Notre Dame got a lot of respect for their solid season by only dropping to eight. Yeah, I mean, murdered like that. They have twenty point wins over I think three teams ranked between eleven and twenty. Yeah, I, is, no, I think it's great that they got that respect. I didn't see it coming because it was such a public flogging. I thought that maybe there would be Notre Dame tends to drop a little bit. I was conditioned. I was conditioned to think that Ohio State would automatically be yes. in front of them, <laughs> and Every, that, no matter what, it didn't work out that way. Sometimes even in a win, you figure yeah. it'll happen. So that. Yeah, I, you know, I just thought that you know being eighth, it was interesting to hear that Brandon Wimbush referenced, "Hey, we still have a chance to make the playoffs." Uh, and Lance, I was like, eh, uh, "Yeah, I know what he means by being eighth, but yeah. I, that would that would be they wouldn't keep moving up if people start losing in front of them. It would just be some reshuffling to keep right. a team that got murdered out of the." There, place. I mean, it's like there's a path for them to get there, yeah, but it, it's like a twelve team parlay type of path. Uh, but being eighth means that. Without question, if they win out, they will go to New Year's Six Bowl game. Most likely, the Cotton, based on projections that you read around the interwebs, there's a chance it could be the Orange if certain things break their way. Um, you know, if they were in the Orange Bowl, it probably would mean Miami was in the playoffs and then they would draw Clemson there. And you'd be being going back to Hard Rock Stadium. Um, wouldn't be allowed. No, no, it wouldn't. So it's, I, I'm of the mindset that. I know there are some fans that would rather win the Camping World Bowl than no. than lose the Cotton Bowl. I'm just saying in a general sense, not necessarily this year. Yeah. I'm of the mindset, keep playing those games totally because you, you cannot win those games if you're not playing those games. There is no worse bowl game for Notre Dame than the Hawaii and Pinstripe Bowl and those wins. Those wins... They don't even need to exist. It's better than losing. But you know what the point of that game is? Just don't lose and leave. That's what right. Notre Dame, in the, in the pinstripe ball, a team that just played for the national title 357 days, 356 days prior is playing the pinstripe ball. It doesn't matter that they won that game. It's right. totally irrelevant. You could have just not played. So I know that they had trouble with Ohio State in the Fiesta Bowl, getting behind by three touchdowns. They were all injured. They were still in the Fiesta Bowl. It was better for the program to be in that situation and get beaten by a better team. Moving it forward to this weekend against Navy on Senior Day, Navy's uh, somewhat unnavyish. One, they're really banged up at quarterback, um, and it, they don't have sort of that the triple threat of a Keenan Reynolds. Um, you know, even Ricky, they really don't even have a double threat, frankly, in these guys. Um, this whoever they face at quarterback really will be one of the worst quarterbacks they've faced. At least the quarterbacks. Who have beaten them? Right. Um, yeah, they had they had worse than eleven they've, and twelve. But they've they are, played worse Navy quarterbacks, sure. and they've crushed those teams. Um, but if, I said this at the beginning of the year; it still holds true. A good Notre Dame team crushes Navy. This is a good Notre Dame team. Bonus: this is not a very good Navy team. So i I guess i I look at this game if they had uh, if you put Keenan Reynolds on this team. Then I'd be like, eh, Because okay. there's human nature of a letdown. Could, could yeah. be awkward, experienced quarterback, can do a little bit of everything. The quarterbacks that they have now running the show can barely do, can, basically are all sort of single threat type guys. Zach Abbey is more of your between the tackles. Cannot pitch the ball very effectively, so the slot back it, is sort of mitigated out. Uh, Malcolm yeah. Perry is hurt, ankle sprain. More of an exterior runner, uh, Bill Wagner, the guy from that I do the insider preview with, said that he's probably 165 pounds. Like he would just he would get blown up. And then the third guy is Garrett Lewis, who has more passing attempts this year than rushing attempts. He's actually more of just a, a passing quarterback. 
that's not going to work either. So, I mean, I just sort of look at Navy, and I don't feel like they're equipped um, to really trouble Notre Dame in the way that Navy almost always is equipped to trouble Notre Dame, including last year with Will Worth. Will Worth was super strong, and he was pretty adept at the pitch, too. That, that's yeah. the key. He, and he finished every run gaining two extra yards. And now that I don't think that would happen against Notre Dame this year because I think they're a stronger defense. They're more physical than they used to be, much more physical than they were last year. We're comparing it to last year at this point. Uh, I think having Perry would have been a little bit of a problem. Just and I don't mean they're going to lose the game. Problem. I just mean that he's he's that quick. Two hundred eighty-two yards. You know, when you're <laughs> two hundred eighty-two yards, four touchdowns last week, missing the last drive. He's he he would have been a guy that gives them an extra touchdown in this game. But you're right. I don't think this is the I don't think this is the type of Navy team that. Can handle Notre Dame. No Notre Dame team that's good is going to stop scoring against Navy anyway. Yeah, and that's what it comes down to. If if everything broke great for Navy and they scored twenty seven points, I fully expect Notre Dame to have a minimum of forty two points in this game. So that would be if if Navy's scoring. I'm saying Bill Wagner made an interesting point when I was talking to him about you know when Navy gives Notre Dame trouble, usually Notre Dame is giving itself trouble by trying to be balanced for no reason at all. Um, considering what happened with Brandon Wimbush last week. Would you anticipate Notre Dame forcing the pass to get it fixed at, like, and treat some of the game as like a bit of a practice? Or do you think they're just going to run it 57 times and say, screw it, let's just get out of here and go to Stanford? I would have completely thought the latter until we kind of went over Navy's struggle stopping the pass. Now I'm concerned. They're terrible. Now I'm concerned. It's just too inviting. <laughs> it's too inviting. Uh, but they should, I mean, they should be able to run them over easily as well. I, I would think. I would think they want to get in and out of here with a, we're going to run the ball a lot. Mm-hmm. They're going to have 11 possessions. We're going to score touchdowns on seven of them and get out of here. Let Brandon Wimbush practice passing in December. It's time to run the ball. <laughs> it says what bowl practice It, it, it is time to run the ball, and I, I don't think they will fall into that trap. I said that one week ago and was completely wrong. <laughs> As we were wrong about a lot last week. I am... They couldn't protect Brandon Wimbush last week, though, and they would be able to protect Brandon Wimbush in this game, so yeah. that is where I could see. Look, they came out throwing a lot, and I, I ended up going back. I don't know why I didn't do this before last week's game, because they came out throwing. They do that a lot in games, because... It's fine. It, yeah, it's fine. It's just you got to settle in and run. That never happens. So, they come out throwing, I don't think Notre Dame fans should worry if all of a sudden they're throwing three and outs... Uh, three and out, three passes on the second series, then I would be mildly concerned that they haven't remembered yeah, it's mistakes. Ca- I feel like it may, it may be a bit of a weird stadium vibe um, if they come out and throw and it's unsuccessful, or even if they come out and run and it's unsuccessful. Um, I don't think the team will be affected by it that much, but I do think it will be a noticeable, like, Ugh, if they go three and out to start the game, especially if Navy goes down and scores right away. It's the most angst I can imagine a fan base having for a top eight team. That's eight and two, that ruined USC and handled NC State and handled Michigan State. It's it's fair because of what happened and people were just set up, they were teed up for the Notre Dame moment last week and it was the exact opposite. So I think it's going to be a weird vibe in that stadium because it's such a successful team, a fun team to watch that had a terrible game, but that terrible game was seven days ago. It let everybody down. People took it personally. I mean, more so, don't you think, than usual, that people just took that personally? Like, I can't believe I was... Hoodwinked! Hoodwinked again! I thought we were gonna... Yeah, they. I mean, it seemed like everybody would jump back on, everybody jump back off. So it's too good of a team to jump back off, but I know it's going to be the sleepiest stadium vibe you can find. And sometimes it's on senior day anyway. Yeah, that's true. And look, that's... 
Notre Dame has two losses. They got blown out by the third best team in the country, and they lost by one point to the seventh best team in the country. Navy is nowhere near that. Um, Navy allowed, what, 40, 40 points to SMU last week? 43-40 win. Um, I watched, the only Navy I've really watched live was their game against Temple. They were terrible. I, I couldn't even believe what I was watching. The offense was so bad. Well, I think it's fair to say they were, you know, they had Reynolds, but I think it's fair to say they were better in 13, 14, obviously 15, and 16 with Worth than they are now. They're just a better, Navy was a better team the last, like each of the last four years. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly the years they were beating Notre Dame. There's a two-year lull in there. They were horrid. 2011, 2012. But yeah. they, they've been pretty good for a while. And this, I think, this isn't a horrid team, but I don't think they're anywhere near as dangerous as the four that preceded them. Yeah, they're getting a jump on their uh, season with curse by being bad right now <laughs> instead of waiting till <laughs> yeah, next season happens um so overall pick i'll start i have a hard time seeing Notre Dame not get in the 40s so I'll, I'll go 49 17 i think Notre Dame's defense will give up some points early it, it wouldn't shock me if at the end of the first quarter it was 14 10 but from there i think Notre Dame probably will roll with this run game whether that is josh adams or Dexter Williams, or Tony Jones, or Deion McIntosh, or C.J. Holmes. I really don't think it's going to matter. Um, It wouldn't surprise me if all five of them played extensively. Uh, We haven't seen any 33 trucking paraphernalia all week. They seem to be moving on to the Rockney Heritage uniform. In terms of merch, so I was wondering what was going to happen. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been tabled for the time being. But if Josh Adams runs for 200 yards, maybe we'll be back. Uh, But I I just don't see. Navy having the offensive material at quarterback to bedevil Notre Dame in the way that they have in the past. Yeah, I'm in the 45-21 range. Um, think about 11 possessions is what usually happens. Uh, six last year was an anomaly. I know Brian Kelly's mentioned that. I'll never that may never happen again. They did have nine possessions. Kind of looking back, one of those Keenan Reynolds years. I think it was 2013. But it's usually 11, 12 possessions. With 11 possessions, I think Notre Dame gets six touchdowns couple of punts and a field goal and probably a turnover when they're trying to uh, trying to find something downfield. Navy seems to find a way to do those things, especially at Notre Dame Stadium. Uh, but I don't know. They just don't have the offense. They have a cool offense. They just don't have the personnel to run it quite as well as they normally do. And this this was another point that I made earlier in the week in the Insider Preview because uh, Bill Wagner seemed to indicate that he felt like Navy would be not conceding the game, but like holding back for Army. Like Army is a much bigger deal than Notre Dame, as it always is for Navy. Army's really good now. Navy's very banged up at quarterback. So I think Brian Kelly referenced on Tuesday is like, you gotta go back and watch ten years of tape. You're seeing stuff from, you know, two thousand seven that they're throwing out there. I think Army's gonna run into that. I don't think Navy is going to put stuff on tape for Army in a game that they're probably going to get beat up pretty badly in. So I think even that element of surprise that Navy usually brings to the table may be lessened this week because their quarterbacks are banged up and prepare. Like it seems like Malcolm Perry is the guy they would rather play. Yeah. It was a coach's decision last week to play him. So he's the converted slot back who's banged up with a badly sprained ankle. Um, It sounds like he's probably not going to go this week. Navy then closes at Houston, then they have a week off, and then they get Army. What? So I would think that 
whatever creativity Navy has with Ivan Jasper, their offensive coordinator, they'll be saving it for Army and not spending it on Notre Dame. So when the slot back flips it on a reverse and they pass back to Abby to start the game, I'm just going to remind you of this. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) No, you guys were supposed to do that in the Army game. There's one interesting um, development in these games where Notre Dame, to finish strong in these games, you can't really sub defensively. Because no backups can stop a triple option with starters. So it is interesting that Notre Dame has to keep... You can't sub liberally and stop mm-hmm. them from scoring. So you either have to give up points, like the, at least in the fourth quarter, like you did the Wake Forest game. Or you have to really dedicate yourself to stopping them with your starters. And that, of course, becomes a little dangerous in the Stanford game. I think Notre Dame should give up, if they're ahead, should give up some fourth quarter points with their backups. It's okay, because you're not doing style points yeah. anymore. And Would it be a real concern if, your number, you know, if you're trying to get style points? Considering you play Navy next year, uh, getting a little bit of experience wouldn't be the worst thing in the world either. But, uh, I mean, I, I think overall from from Notre Dame's perspective that, yeah, the, the style points, they don't really matter a whole lot. If you win 35-23, let's say that, like, I don't care. That's fine. If you win 35-33, I have a concern. But I don't, I just... I have a hard time seeing that happening. I, I do think Notre Dame's defense, as is the case with Notre Dame's run game, they're probably going to come into this with a lot to prove. They, they should play a pissed-off level of football that they rarely play against Navy because Navy yeah. isn't that exciting to play against. Fair point, though, to make here. Other than last year, we have never sat on a podcast previewing anything with Navy and thought that Navy was going to beat Notre Dame or bring it to Notre Dame, right? Last year, we did. Last yeah. year, we had we had. We had I'm pretty. Right. This is. I agree. I don't. I. It's just that you never. The never. There's never the look at like. Yeah. You know. I just think they can. I think they'll be able to score more to beat Notre Dame. But then you see that option roll up and down the field. It's an impressive thing to watch. Yeah. There's. <laughs> there's no question about that. I just. I just feel like Notre Dame's mentality is much better this year. Not just than last year, which is way better than. But in most years, mm-hmm. you know, we talked to Julian Love yesterday, and he, he said he really likes playing against the option. Northern defensive players never say that. <laughs> to get into that, very quickly, Love last year, eight tackles with a quarterback hurry and some huge plays yeah. uh, at the edge. Uh, this will be Greer Martini, his last three games against the option, has accumulated 28 tackles, three quarterback hurries, a forced fumble, and 11 stuffs. Okay. Greer Martini looks like Luke Keekley to the yeah. option. <laughs> so, and Trombetti has played it a few times. He had six tackles last year, five mm-hmm. stuffs. Tranquil's, obviously people remember Tranquil against Georgia Tech's option. Had a very yeah. good game. So there's a lot of guys that have played against it a few times. And look, last year they went into the game with a defensive tackle on John Jones who didn't want to be there. Um, they they ran into mentality problems last year. That's not going to be the case this right. year. Right, that is a huge, that's, yeah. that's, that's, a huge that's big. Like, yeah. if you don't want to play, you're probably not going to play very well. You know, they, they didn't. Yeah, and they didn't. So I think that getting away from that, that's where I think sort of the mentality of Notre Dame, they're, they're in a, not, I don't want to say, well, they're really benefiting from getting their butt kicked at Miami, but the run game will have something to prove. The defense will have something to prove. Uh, and I, I think overall, this, despite the fact that it's a one-off in terms of the style of offense you play, they're, they'll prove it. You know, it might, it's not going to win people over after the Miami game, but I do think it's a game that Notre Dame should run away with through through four quarters so that's it for segment one irish illustrated insider we got questions for readers next irish illustrated insider is brought to you by 
Anderson, Augustino, and Keller, Attorneys at Law, with offices in South Bend, Indiana, serving the local community's legal needs with a diverse and innovative group of lawyers. Let their team be your edge on legal matters. Contact the lawyers at Anderson, Augustino, and Keller at 574-288-1510 or visit their webpage at aaklaw.com. Welcome back to Irish Illustrated Insider. First question from Caden McFarland off Twitter. And the question is, they were troubled by Brian Kelly, Bench, and Brandon Wimbush on Saturday night. How did you feel about that? And do you have any concerns that his career may go the way of Everett Golson where he doesn't completely live up to his potential? I thought they should bench him for the for that drive, um, the first drive, because he needed to take a seat the way things were going. He, he had lost confidence. Uh, I don't think I would... This is too much hindsight to say keep him bench for the second series because I can also understand finishing out the half without Brandon Wimbush. Obviously, when you know what happened, it's easy to say that you couldn't win the game with Ian Book in there. But I was all for benching Wimbush for one drive, not totally against it on the second drive. I think ideally it would have been one drive and, hey, get back in there because in the second half you were going to go back to Brandon Wimbush. If Ian Book leads a touchdown drive, you're still going back to Brandon Wimbush at some point in that game, I would think. You think so? Like... I- Maybe not at the end of the half, in the half, but he's not. Ian Book's not going to continually riddle Miami to get you back from twenty-seven nothing either. I mean, if it if it at half is twenty to seven instead of twenty-seven, probably to come nothing. back out with Book. What do you is he going to drive them down and beat Miami? I, well, it's twenty-seven-seven because Miami goes down and scores, and it has nothing to do with Ian Book or Brandon Wimbush on the next on the kickoff. Yeah, yeah. It's it a, just seemed like you point. need Sandlot to come back and win a game against Miami, and Book wasn't going to make enough plays. Yeah. But I had nothing, no problem with benching him at the time of the original benching. He needed to sit. Yeah, I'm not really sure about the the mentality. Certainly, his mentality is better than Everett Golson because that was like at the bottom of the barrel. Yeah, like that was he doesn't have that in him. That that relationship between Kelly and Golson was not good. Um, I don't think that this one is even close to that. I do think Wimbush is frustrated and needs to figure out how to sort of get his head around that. I think he's doing the best that he can for a college junior. But um, I think it just it remains to be seen on that one. I don't know where his career is going to go from here because it certainly has looked a lot different this year than I thought it was going to uh, based on what we saw in spring ball and what we saw in August. It's, um, it's really sort of been all over the map. He's a heck of a playmaker, though. Yeah. With his legs. It's just, it just has to become a, he just has to become a more consistent passer. Mechanically, now he doesn't trust his mechanics at all. So maybe no. maybe that can maybe that can be a thing that does develop over a nine month off season. And I asked him about that yesterday, and he was like, "Yeah, I'm getting to." A, I I sort of gave him a pass for last week, which is a ridiculous reality because it doesn't work that way. But I just said, you know, last week aside, you feel like you're trusting your mechanics more than you have. And he said, "Yeah, you know, I'm getting to the point where I'm thinking about it all the time." But Last weekend was such a massive step back. I don't know if it's going to take the rest of the season for him to then get to the point where he was in October where he didn't think about it all the time. Well, here's the thing. Let's say it's a good game against Navy. At Stanford, if he's one for six and misses a touchdown and has a pass intercepted, but Notre Dame's in it, is his next pass look like the one where it's that bubble screen where it looked like he tossed a knuckleball that he had never thrown a football, much less any ball before. The Josh Adams the one. The Josh Adams one. Yeah. That was just, that had nothing to do with his ability. Zero to do with Brandon Bush's ability to play football. He yeah. could not get out of his head. So if you see that again, they don't, then you lose to Stanford. 
Yeah, it's if like, he could just play football, he, he should be fine. He, he runs so well, he just has to complement his run. Yeah, I, I don't really know what to make of his inability to keep the ball down on intermediate routes. I think he, he was 2 of 10 in the first half for 30 yards, maybe 33 yards. But of the 10 passes, you had the overthrow to EQ. You had that hit Josh Adams in the ankle. And then pretty much everything else was high. Um, even the completions, the one to St. Brown was high. The one to Stefferson was really high. It was a very athletic play. Even his first pass that got broken up uh, by, I think, by Quarterman or McLeod. I can't remember which one. That was going to be very high. And you can see the safety is going to kill uh, St. Brown over the middle. And there were there were a few instances where he is high and it's dangerous for the receivers. I mean, his best throws were Claypool, which was a drop, but still high. You, his receivers basically have to leave their feet to catch the ball. I think when, isn't part of that being psyched out in that game though. He doesn't. He's not. He was. He was improving as a mid-range passer mm-hmm. over the past three weeks. I agree. So I think a lot of it's mental. Brandon Winbush, and it'll probably continue to be mental this year. Mm-hmm. And then he has to lose that in the offseason. Yeah, I I agree. I, he even though I he said Wednesday, oh the environment was fine. Excited to play it. Blah blah blah. I mean that. He was he was one of a few guys who were toast. Yeah, he, uh, yeah, he wasn't started. alone. He's no. not alone in that regard. Yeah, I don't want to single him out that way, but he's just he's the quarterback of the team, so that's what that's how that works. Um, next question from multiple uh, readers on Twitter: They want to know what we think about Josh Adams staying or leaving after his junior season. I think he should leave because uh, the shelf life of running back is short. He will not have a better offensive line than he has this year. I think we good offensive line next year. This is a better year than. Anyone listening or anyone analyzing or writing or coaching thought Josh Adams would have. And he should go pro. And he's a smart kid. They'll come back and get his degree and it won't be a problem. And he can try and get some a giant nest egg kickoff to his professional life, whatever that is. And running backs do not have long. He has a high school injury. He has bad ankles. And there, as you pointed out, there's something else going on Yeah, right now. He should he's, absolutely go pro and no one should begrudge him of it. He is hurt. All the time. I mean, I'm trying to think of games where he's lasted. Um, he's a warrior, but he is hurt all the time. Yeah, he is. <laughs> he is a tough <laughs> dude, but he's hurt all the time. Uh, he's he exposed to huge hits. I mean, I'm trying to think, I'm, mentally. I'm trying to go through the season. What games he made it through without injury? USC, maybe NC, USC and NC State. I think. Am I, am I missing? He did USC. He definitely went through USC because he had not to that point. Yeah. Um, I don't remember if he made it through NC State or so not, that, but that's, that's the argument like right there. That's a Two out of ten right. at best. So, yeah, I, he's going to probably finish with the all-time single-season rushing record. He's on pace for that still, despite the last two games. Uh, he should be able to put up 175, no problem, just this weekend. And, then, and good health. And that's, that's, like Stanford is not that great against the run either. And then just you know put up your 1,500 yards and... Go to the Heisman Trophy finalist ceremony and then turn pro. I think that that would be an awesome story for him. I totally agree. Walked off the field by Josh Adams last year at USC when he had a great, really good game, 178 yards or whatever it was. He did not have a part of his body that wasn't limping. He could yeah. not have been in more pain. And I remember someone asked in post game, "Is this the healthiest you've been all year?" Because he had a good game, and I thought, "What? This this poor guy is like." Leaning against a wall to try to do these, they do the locker, they do the interviews outside in the tunnel, yeah. and he should go pro. And he has had a great year for Notre Dame. Yeah, no, no question about that. Am Rother twenty four. I know that name. 
Since it's a topic that comes up so frequently when ND is about to play Navy, do you all think the rivalry should continue on a yearly basis? Why or why not? I, uh... I don't have a strong opinion on this. I, you know, if they ended it, or... And it, well, I guess my strong opinion would be don't end it entirely, but if you turned it into Michigan State, I would not have a problem with that. I don't think it needs to be protected the way Notre Dame protects it. We know why they play it. I would not have a problem with them ending it. However, I do have a problem with why people want this ended. Someone made a very good point on our message board that Navy should want to end the rivalry. Notre Dame should beat the crap out of them so much. Right. That Navy should be like, you know what? We can't afford to play this game because we come out of this with eight season-ending injuries. When it was fifty-six to ten and fifty to ten, or fifty-six to fourteen and fifty to ten in back-to-back years for Brian Kelly against Navy, was everybody saying, "We got to get out of this series, man. This yeah. is a problem. I cannot suck it up and beat them." <laughs> Are you kidding me? I cannot get started on this. I understand that you don't have to play them every year. Fine, whatever. Are you... <laughs> This is ridiculous. It's Navy. Just guess what? Someone might block you in the knee. Okay, fight it off and make the tackle. Yeah. It's not that big of a deal. Should should USC have stopped the series against Notre Dame because they did nine cut blocks on Tony Rice's sixty-five yard touchdown run? That's the most famous run in the last twenty years, thirty years for Notre Dame. No, he got cut. You fell down. Get up. It's not. There's not a ton of injuries coming out of these games. I mean, people are right now. I said that, and someone is thinking back to the 90s when two guys got hurt against Air Force, and they're talking about cut blocks. Where are all the giant injuries coming out of this game? I know Carlo Calabrese got hurt. Was it because of a cut block? Or just I mean, not just, that athletic. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, yeah, no, it's true. <laughs> guys just get hurt. Michael Floyd got hurt in the Navy game. You know why? He wasn't trying to block, and a bunch of people landed on his knee yeah. in 2008. It's just, or in 2000, whatever year that was. <laughs> it's, I, he got hurt. I, but it's... I got into this discussion on the message board. I, I, I feel like the games where Notre Dame comes out of Navy with injuries are the games where Notre Dame was not very well prepared to play the option. 2010, Ian Williams and Carlo Calabrese right. both got hurt against Navy. You couldn't... It would have been impossible to be less prepared that game than <laughs> Notre Dame was. In 2014, when Notre Dame was running all... Or Navy was running all over the place, Joe Schmidt got hurt. Not really on a cup block. It was just an injury. But, he didn't blame it on a couple of people. No, we've asked George yeah, many times. Yeah, so it's... I find it... If people want to fixate on what happened to Robert Bland or almost happened to Robert Bland, I think that, that was, was just a dirty, isolated play yeah, in 2007. That was, that was yeah, crap. Yeah. Like, 2009. Don't yeah. do that. Right, that's, um, that's a dirty play. There's a dirty play in a couple games in 2010, but that's... There was a dirty play in the 2010 game of reference when they were killing Notre Dame, and I think he dove at Zeke Mata's leg yeah. uh, from behind. But that's nothing to do with a triple option. Right, diving at someone's leg from behind is a dirty play. Navy plays hard, so you will probably, if you want to just look at this from this point of view, they play hard to the whistle all the time, even when they're losing. So I guess there's a better chance of injury if you look at it that way. Yep, you could. That's look, one way of looking at it to give the credence to that. But I just think maybe if you're Notre Dame, you could beat Navy and not worry about it. Here's what I would say: if you wanted to take this series and turn it into a three-team series with Air Force and Army. I wouldn't have That's a problem with idea. that at all. But and people would still complain about it's all, that. It's all option-y type yeah. stuff. But if you're so bothered by Navy uh, that you just you just can't stand it anymore, then rotate these other schools through. Because really, I mean, what it's God, country, and Notre Dame. Country is before Notre Dame. So... That's what Navy, Army, and Air Force are supposed to be. Uh, I I would love it if they change it up that way. And you, but you could still do 
the sort of barnstorming type stuff. I mean, they play Navy in San Diego. Is it yeah. next year? Next year. Um, that's an awesome trip. So um, don't don't end the series now. Uh, at least give us another year. Whatever you do, don't bring yeah. up the series. But that's if you wanted to rotate through the other military academies, I think that'd be fine too. I wouldn't have a problem with that at all. All right, Irish by the Sea. Looking over the assistant coaches' performance this season, do you see anyone who won't be back next year? Yikes! <laughs> wow. <laughs> It was easier oh, last year at this time. I would say last no. Last week. Uh, yeah, that's well because of one. They couldn't decide which coach was going to win the Broyles Award eight, eight days ago. Now there's uh, no. I don't. I don't see that. Um, obviously, the wide receiving position is the biggest disappointment. I'm not going to put that all on Dell Alexander. Uh, there's no other position that you could possibly consider for this. The running backs are going to be statistically the best group in 25 years. Yeah, I really, it's... Oh, I guess they're talking about maybe Tommy Reese is involved in this. Could be, I guess. Because um, I mean, he was yeah, hired as a grad assistant, he will become a... Uh, which all that means is he gets paid from the grad assistant pool, but he next year he'll be... And he getting, can recruit And he can recruit campus. next year. He can recruit off campus next year and get paid from the assistant coaches pool that will increase. But no, of one-year coaches then, so Dell Alexander and Tommy Reese are first-year coaches, there's certainly nobody's going to no. be. No, that's, yeah, the answer to this question is no. One week ago it was which coaches can we possibly retain because of all the awards they're yeah. gonna win. Should Mike Elko be named coach in waiting? That was that was two weeks ago. Foster Brooks, does this season come down to getting into and winning a New Year's six bowl? Anything else would feel simply fuel a fire to the fire BK crowd and open seats on the Notre Dame bandwagon. Fair or not, yes. Eleven and two winning a New Year's six bowl is the appropriate end to this season to make it a great season. I want to remind you of something you said in the preseason, where I'm you sure. where you where described eight and four as purgatory. Yes, and now you're describing ten and two as purgatory. The ten and two is great. Ten and three with a bowl loss again would just be not the perfect way to not a fitting end to this season. It would just make me think of the teams that finished ten and three and nine mm-hmm. and three. I don't, I think they'd be better than like Brady Quinn's senior year team that yeah. wasn't a real ten and three. But is it that much better than the 2015 team if you go ten and three and lose a, lose two of your last four games? And one you get housed. Well, it really, it's, yeah. Well, you lose three of your last four games in this. Scenario. Oh, you're right. You're right. Yeah, and including the last two. That's bad. Yeah, that's yeah. no, not three of your last four. If you go ten and three, you've lost two of your last four because they already had a loss. You're thinking of nine wins right now. You would lose. They're not going to lose three of their last four oh, games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they're going to lose two of their last. It'll right. be two of their last four. It would just be such a down note. I understand. Now, 10 and 3 would be fine. It's a B plus season. Yeah. It's just not special. And then Notre Dame hasn't had a special season other than 2012 since 93. You need one. They're, they've been so yeah. good. They can go out and they're not, and they're not going to play one of the four best teams in the country. You no. Know, it's. No, they'll just get Ohio State again. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yeah, I think it's not fair, but I do think it's the only fitting way. I think if Notre Dame loses. I think if Notre Dame loses a New Year's New Year's Six bowl game, it's a lot of people are fair or not will just be same old, same old. That's the way it ended. Now mm-hmm. it doesn't mean it wasn't a good year, but perception with a fan base is reality, isn't it? When your coach enters his ninth year a little bit. Yeah. It's they the fact that they haven't won a New Year's Six style bowl since the ninety three season, the ninety four right. cotton bowl is ridiculous. And you'll have given him nine years, Brian Kelly to eight years to have done it. So it's not like it's That's... all on his fault. It's not all his fault, of course, because they didn't yeah. win with that before him. But he's got two iterations of generations of players here. Right. He's recruited through two full. I mean, you, the, your first guys came in there for four years. I know Charlie Weiss recruited some mm-hmm. of them. I don't think he was complaining that he inherited Manai Teo and Zach Martin, though, right? No. So he had those guys. Mm-hmm. He had another group of his, and now his. this is like his 
third group of recruits, basically. So it's fair um, because of what has happened in the past. Taken singularly, this is just a really good year, no matter what. Yeah, I, I agree. It's hard to take it singularly, though. Right they, they need to have sort of a Music City Bowl, but the bowl game is a lot bigger. <laughs> played yeah. somewhere. Warmer. Something yeah, good to feel about. Something to feel good about in the offseason. Dashing Domer, is there anything that Indy learned schematically the past two weeks that will change their approach the rest of the season? Or do the remaining opponents allow them to put off serious changes until the offseason, or at least until bowl prep? I don't I don't think it's a question of you're going to need to go back to the lab in the offseason to fix some things. I mean, there are, there, there are some things. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but... The inability to defend the quarterback draw has been a problem the last couple of weeks. Uh, I asked Drew Tranquil about that yesterday. And he said he referenced Wake Forest. And what did we say after Wake Forest? At least I did. It's not a blueprint issue because you're not going to run into Mike Elko defense, mastery, 41 career starts. Um, and it's just that kind of setup. But in bits and pieces, they really struggled to defend Malik Rogier running the ball uh, last weekend. And that... That sort of got the ball rolling for Miami to, to put the game away in the first half. So I, that's some that's a, a small picture thing that they need to get cleaned up. Because I mean, what let's say they run into Ohio State in a bowl game. I think J, JT Barrett's probably going to run the ball a whole lot. So that's that could be a real problem for them. That and that's something that they can get cleaned up now. In terms of Brandon Wimbush and his fundamentals. I think that's probably more of a spring practice type thing. I, yes, I, you're, I agree. You're going to go with up performances and down performances until then. But um, there are there are certainly some smaller picture things that can get fixed. I think bowl prep is also key to that end. Mm-hmm. It's a short week for Stanford. That's that's an underrated aspect of these things with switching gears from the triple option to Stanford. It's, you can kill Navy, but you still play the triple option. And, and of course, you have to end the series because you might have gotten hit in the knee at some point. So yeah. I think that... Bull prep would include some tweaks defensively. That they saw something, maybe that they saw they something better. late. Yeah, that yeah. they saw something late that showed up on film that other coaches saw. So I don't know if you have time for that for Stanford, though. You can make a guy cognizant with a spy on a. On a they've, they've been able to spy on quarterbacks before. That's mm-hmm. why the Rogier thing was weird. But I also like to point out that they were just missing tackles after he. There were gaping holes. But the one you put on Twitter was a hole for five yards, and he turned into a 16-yard touchdown, making people flail. That was the definition of flailing tackle. So there were other holes. It's not just like it was bad tackling, but if you tackle, it's not the end of the world when the quarterback Mm -hmm. escapes once in a while, and Notre Dame didn't tackle. Yeah. All right, final question. Terry Benedict, with two games remaining, what freshman has impressed you the most this year? If the pool is too small, you can include retro freshmen as well. First guy that comes to mind is Hainsey for starting basically starting a whole year. Um, He took his lumps. But that's that's a tough thing. It continues to. It continues to. But uh, for in terms of impressing me for the future, Robert Hainsey is number one for the future. Um, in terms of for the gosh, the redshirt freshman thing, because like Khalid Kareem's not a redshirt freshman, but he came on late. Mm-hmm. Julian McQuarrie had the good start, also not a redshirt freshman. Tony Jones, I just had such a high opinion of. I guess he hasn't impressed me this year, although he's been a little better recently. For the future, Robert Hainsey is player going forward. Cole Komet's a player going forward. I guess, you know what? Tagovailo Amosa. Yeah. That's the guy. No, for sure. Expected nothing. It has to be the guy. You know, I think... It took me a while to come up with him for some reason. but Because <laughs> you didn't want to try to pronounce his last yeah, name. Yeah, exactly. I think, I, if you do it fast enough, though, you get it. Yeah. <laughs> Don't think about it. 
you know, the redshirt freshmen, there really aren't guys that even fit. Hey, Dan McIntosh. I forget yeah. that he's a redshirt freshman. I feel like he's a junior. Um, so he'd have to be in there. And Tommy Kramer's a redshirt freshman. That's even right. though he also feels like he's been here forever. So those would be two guys at least worth mentioning. But, um, you know, was, would you say Ian Book has impressed you? Or just he was what I been thought. okay? Yeah. The interception touchdown to Gates all impression for me. Yeah. <laughs> but in terms of guys, you know, talking to people around the program, guys that they're high end in the freshman class, I've heard a ton of good things about Aaron Banks and Josh Lugg. Um, Probably the most important people you could hear a ton of good yeah, things about. Yeah, you need, you need to hear good things about them. They, they still love, you know, Komet and Wright, even though they haven't done a lot this year. Michael Young, they're high on. Darnell Yule is, remains developmental. Um, look, I think Kurt Heinisch has still been a surprise to me, the fact that he plays played at all and has done a couple good things. But um, beyond that, I think if, if you're looking for concerns of the freshman class, linebacker and safety, I get the impression that they're not entirely comfortable with what they have there. So, I mean, linebacker is that's a, that's a concern now, they know. Uh, but it's safety with... Jordan Genmar Keith and Isaiah Robertson, I get the impression that they're like not quite sure what they have there yet. You know, going back to the question about uh, if you lose Drew Tranquil, I'm curious if Bilal will try and just remain at Rover and they would go Coney and Jonathan Jones because it is easier to fill a hole with a guy that's a good aggressive run stopper than it is to play Rover if you're not capable of playing Rover. Would they continue to work Bilal for another full year at Rover and insert... insert Jonathan Jones. He has, a, he has a redshirt year below, too, so that would be a two-year guy. If you oh, right, yeah. yeah. Good point. Um, I just like the, I don't run, know. the run-plugging guy can play his role next yeah. to Tavon Coney. Now, Bilal, that assumes that Bilal becomes a good rover, of course. That's... Yeah. But he would just be challenged by... I wonder Lovers. if they would do a Bilal, Coney, Jonathan Jones three-for-two the way that they're doing right now. That would be a possibility. That would definitely be a possibility. Coney is never going to come off the field next year. <laughs> but that that but then that opens up the rover position. Who the heck is that going to be? Is that is Jordan Genmar Keith going to slide down? Uh Shane Shane Simon's mid year I mean, enrollment. Owusu Cormo will be involved. Yes. He, he, but it's a starting from scratch thing for him. He's he I mean he was in the role yeah. in August, but it's like he was not on the varsity. It was No, there was never a chance that he was right. going to play. Uh so I don't I don't know. I mean, linebacker is is a huge question mark next year. I, I don't think that we don't know Adams has Jones multiple fits. shoulder surgeries and Drew Wright is kind of undersized. So it's I don't see where they're going to get something out of those guys next year. So we'll see. But on the off on the offensive line, they're very high on Lug and Banks. Uh, I've heard I've even heard good things about Colin Grunhardt as like a one of those walk ons that will earn a scholarship down the road. Brian Kelly mentioned him kind of. As one of the highlight guys in early August, it was an interesting. I think he might be that. Sometimes he mentions guys that are helping the team practice, which yeah. is that he's a he's a coach. It's his prerogative to do it that way, not just give us. Ooh, is Colin Grunhard going to take the job from? <laughs> but it's those guys are important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's uh, the freshman class. It's fine that it remains to be seen how good it yes. is because they've only been <laughs> here for one year and only okay. half of them have played. But uh, I do think this this question from Terry Benedict probably one that we can answer with a lot more clarity around the blue gold game than we can going into senior day. So that's it for this week's Irish illustrated insider podcast. We'll be back Monday to recap Navy preview Stanford a little bit. Uh, it's a short week for us, but, uh, 
We will talk to you Saturday. Pre-game instant analysis and post-game instant analysis from Notre Dame Stadium Senior Day, Notre Dame versus.